Thank you for joining us. This is Dr. Tommy Show. I'm America's free market doctor, Dr. Tommy McElroy. And you're listening to us live here in Wesley Chapel. And today's a special day because we have a special guest, Dr. Jonathan Youssef, Lifetime Family and Urgent Care. And also, today we're going to talk about some of the very cool things that we're talking about before the show, elections and doctor-patient relationships. But Dr. Youssef is a favorite guest of mine, one of my favorite guests, because he's got a very cool podcast, and I enjoy it. It's always cool to listen to other people who are podcasters. Dr. Youssef, how are you doing today? Hey, thank you for having us here. This, uh, so I'm kind of glad that you're on the other end of the podcast, because now I don't have to fiddle with those things and let, yeah. you, let you handle the, the, the IT portion of this I've never podcast. done it on the other end. It'd be kind of interesting. It, it probably is going to be easier, because I'm just going to relax and enjoy the, uh, the show and maybe get, get a little bit of information. So this is my opportunity to... Uh, gather some information from Dr. Tommy as well. Yeah. Tell us about your practice because I know about your practice. But So, yeah, I've been the, the last eight to ten years I've been uh, working on a practice, basically my lifetime family in urgent care. And we have kind of a motto called your doctor for a lifetime. It gives you that good, fun, you know, fuzzy feeling inside that I'm going to be your uh, lifetime doctor, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of motto or that, that culture that we created in the office started off as just a primary care office where we had a few urgent care items like an x-ray machine, a couple other tools, and then slowly but surely built it up over the years to be something I feel like I'm proud of, a, a culture in there that treats you like family and people can come and get a little bit more than just their traditional healthcare stuff, but could look at some alternative things as well. So yeah. I have a lot of opportunities for people to, to come in for that kind. So you're you know, you're one of a dying breed, not to be morbid, <laughs> but you're a you're a solo practitioner. Mm-hmm. You're not part of some big conglomerate, you're not uh, a hospital um, employee. And here you are, you're you're this family doctor, but you also have, it's not just like you said, it's not just like chronic illness, but you have all this variety of things. And you're Mm -hmm. a doctor of osteopathy, so you also know all the different things that come along with that. Yeah, so so as one of the reasons that has attracted attracted me to uh, not only listening to your podcast, but finding out more is the, the concierge portion of it. And more and more I'm seeing that as... A medical physician in this country, we are constantly having to conform to or uh, sort of pay homage to either the insurance company or the federal government to kind of appease their wishes, right, Their, their needs. But what about the patients? Where are the patients and how are they involved in this? And that's so such a rare thing to hear from physicians. I'm not blowing our own horns or anything, but yeah, you're right. This is an unspoken thing. It's almost like the elephant in the room, but it's actually the uh, the third party in the room. Like, yeah. can you and I go into a room? Mm-hmm. If there's a third party there, they may be influencing what we're doing. Not necessarily a malignant way, but they're. It's not like they're not known. You yeah, know? I, I have to worry about. Am I? Is this going to be covered? Is this not going to be covered? Is this a this prescription going to need a prior authorization? Mm-hmm. This referral going to require. Uh, several steps before I have to get in there. And then I'm spending half the time asking them if they've gotten their flu shots or their... So tell people why you have to ask them that. Well, all of these requirements that in order to get paid, you you almost have to follow the rules and regulations. This is kabuki theater. You know, it's just like... (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, here you are for your splinter. How about your tetanus shot? Correct. Okay, that may be related. Mm-hmm. How about your uh, polio vaccine? Well, I don't know. Right. Are, do you smoke? Do you have a gun in the house? Are you married? Who do you like to have sex with? <laughs> what color are you? you know, it's do you just, do drugs? Yeah, do you, you know? do drugs? Yeah. Do you do inhalants? <laughs> you know, you ask an 85-year-old lady, do you have paint? Yeah. And she's like, I have right. a sore throat. They ask me about fall risk factors and, mm-hmm. you know, and some of my patients just don't have the the i mean not that they're not important obviously there there's actually some studies to show that those things are important sure. but, but you're smart it's enough not all relevant yeah, right you're exactly. smart enough to figure that out we're doctors hey heck we went through how many years of school and to, to, to be treated like some child that you have to say <laughs> okay now go down the list did you ask yeah. him about this and if not you're not going to get paid that's the real it's not optional you yeah. you have to do it. i mean you get it want to get paid for it you have to do it but the patients are annoyed already at yeah. the fact that they have to go through a 10 steps to get to you, yeah. right? They have to get to that front desk, then mm-hmm. the insurance company, and mm-hmm. then verification process. And, you know, these questionnaires are like five pages long. Yeah. And so it's it's not an easy process for the patient. You know, before the show, and I don't want to get too involved with personal stuff, but we were talking about there's different strategies. You know, I've chosen a different strategy, obviously. But there also there's others you know there's people out there that are changing. I'm I'm happy and that's that's one of the reasons I'm here is just because I want to get your sort of feedback as well as yeah. to what can we do like yeah. as as providers to to improve that. Yeah, so we try to eliminate. I mean, what we do in medicine, membership medicine, we try to eliminate anything that's extraneous yeah. to the uh, doctor patient relationship. That's what we were talking about earlier. Our wonderful podcast spark sponsor and also. Sponsor of Dr. Tommy Show's Atlas MD. And Atlas MD, man, is a beautiful EMR. I Most, saw that on your on your yeah. computer. Yeah, Dr. Josh says, you know, EMR is a four-letter word usually. People hear the word EMR, they're like, oh. But EMR, like Atlas MD, <laughs> is like, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, like, there's like a pain after the EMR. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, oh, it's this yeah. dirty feeling. Like, what do but, I have to do that? Yeah. But it's the same thing with membership medicine. Just eliminate that. Um, but um, yeah, I saw your EMR, and, and uh, what I really liked about it was you can communicate with the patient in a safe, safe zone, mm-hmm. yep. so that there's secure. no secure, and you have you can communicate with them not only on an email f- format, but in text format as mm-hmm. well as uh, as well as just entering the information, and like you can get pictures, and mm-hmm. uh, so I think that that's where the missing key is, right? Yeah, and that's the technology of the of the current day yeah. and yet our doctors or our medical profession is is behind sure like uh, emr is supposed to help so technology is helping people uh if you go on the internet you you know if you go in the banking industry everything is supposed to help you uh make it easier you get a mobile uh but in yeah. emr it's okay, the opposite it's the opposite you are more constrained and more yes. less uh helpful in terms of you got to put more input into your information you have to yeah. input you have to input the the history and the physical examination and all of these that could you know there's a lot of autom- automatic things that could be done or the technology should be there so that you don't have that much to to do and that should be coming to in luckily yeah. luckily uh we in, in membership medicine we do have that ability is that we can eliminate all those extraneous yeah. uh problems that allow you not not i mean make it to where you can't do that yeah. Um, I, I love. I would love to have a, a, this movement that's in the industry. It's not just me and you. There's mm-hmm. a movement that's happening all around the country, and doctors are 
and patients are noticing that they're they're not getting that personal touch anymore that they have to do a lot of extraneous uh, activity to get to where where we want to go but is it it's not and not much more helpful to get the patients to heal as you could look in obesity rising and you can see that you know the the modern medications being utilized more and more well what if the incentive was to create a better patient or to improve the patient's health or what I call optimizing that patient? Mm-hmm. If I don't optimize that patient to their goal, then what, what am I doing more for them? What is the benefit that they're going to have by me having an EMR information? And so I need to be able to communicate with them, such as with Atlas, for example, is a good, good way to communicate without having the overhead. The, yeah. the the extraneous stuff, the extra stuff that work we have to work so hard to uh, get away from. And I think patients are going to demand that. You know, they're not going to just sit by and let their uh, lifestyle be more convenient when they're consuming uh, with their movies and their TV shows. Their transportation's more convenient now with Uber and things like that. I think patients are going to not just sit around and say, "Well, I accept the fact that my medical care is stuck in the 1980s or the yeah, 1970s." Yeah. I'm very passionate. Like, like we get so passionate me yeah. when I think about this because we, we are in that point of our careers where we're seeing more and more that we have to make a change. And one thing I want to kind of give you props for, and, and again, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but, but Dr. Tommy, I'm a big fan of yours because of the, the skill that you have to take on this bigger, more like this juggernaut, you know, that's basically healthcare right now. You're taking it on to provide extra care for your patients, mm-hmm. um, almost taking a chance, you know, um, and, and something I don't think a lot of people are doing, but uh, in your practice, you have the, the Fit Club, right? which I, I think it's amazing that, you know, how do we not think of medicine and exercise and, and, and diet as essential, right? These are two like synergistic or uh, necessary tools, but we don't have any other provider in the area that I know of that has a fit club. I think it's just because you know insurance won't pay for it. So, like you back to your point, and unless you're if you're if you have to do an insurance practice, you're constrained by what you can do. I mean, you can spend extra money to do it, but our patients pay for it. You know, so our membership fee pays for it. So it's kind of inclusive. Can you tell me more about that Fit Club? Because what I've kind of heard so basic, from... Mm-hmm. So Monday and Thursday, we have Fit Club. Six Fit Club is uh, 45 minutes. And what we try to do is do things that you can replicate at home with minimal equipment. So a lot of our stuff is body weight exercises. Tracy is our clinic coordinator. She runs it. It began uh, Dylan running it, who's our personal trainer. Then Tracy started running it. Tracy's been running it for, I don't know how long we've been doing it now, two years. But basically, it's body weight exercises... Excuse me. Also, limited weights, so dumbbells, kettlebells, jump ropes, and we're always finding new things. I mean, we probably have a armamentarium of like 200 different exercises we'll do, but we'll do mostly circuit-based training. We usually run about four or five circuits. So last night we did a circuit where we warmed up. So we did jumping jacks, we did some stretching, we did some high knees, and then we went right into the first circuit. And the first circuit was, uh, I think it was uh, kettlebell swings, planking. Um, uh, they call them. Uh, log cutters or something like that lumberjacks where you swing it you swing you slowly move a dumbbell mm-hmm. like this and then there was one more but anyway you you rotated through them a minute each time and then we ran a lap after it mm-hmm. and i tell you we i took our first break we took our first break 
and we had just finished that one circuit. We start at six o'clock. Guess what time it was? And I felt like I was like, this is a tough one. Six thirteen. Wow. So it's like a lot of bang for your buck, but it's, it's, it's very fun. It's high intensity. It's, but it's also it's it's scalable to your needs. So if you're a patient that you know, we a lot of times we get patients that say, "Look, we don't. I haven't worked out. I haven't worked out since I was, you know, whatever, or I haven't jumped rope since grade school." So you're able to just do as much as you can. So if you can only plank, you know, we're planking for a minute. If you can only plank for ten seconds at a time, that's it. So mm-hmm. the goal is is like this week you plank for ten seconds at a time. Next week, you plank for 15 seconds at a time. And then in a month, you're planking for a minute straight like everybody else. So there's two things that I really love about what you just said. And the first is, number one, you are actually in the class. So you're doing the class side by side. Suffering as well. Right. You're (laughs) suffering. But also, like, these are your patients. There's a family and, like, a closeness. Yeah, kind of like yours. Your lifetime. Exactly. Cohesiveness. And that's something I admire. And the second thing is that I don't know if people realize it or not, but what you're doing usually would cause... You know, and, and you could join up a different gym or memberships, and and you, you know, I'd like to do martial arts, and I, I mm-hmm. kind of mentioned that in my podcast. But the, the people pay anywhere between fifty to two hundred dollars for what you just provided yeah. um, in those two days. That you're giving them this value that they would normally paying for um, anyway. So so here's two is it two to three days a week that twice a week monday and thursday that people can go in Mm -hmm. and join up and you know here you're going side by side by with your physician i mean i don't i don't see how anybody could possibly lose with with like that kind of care i tell you the more that join the more fun it is it's it's a lot of fun uh whenever you have a lot of people joining in because that's what you know, like you said, the camaraderie, the spirit of it. That's what allows mm-hmm. you to just have fun. It's yeah. like when we did the Savage Race. There's my medal. I saw when we that. did Savage Race. I uh, that was fun because it was a group of a group of us together, and we were just uh, you know we're all together. Did you have some patients uh, yeah, while absolutely. there? So yep, yeah, we had yeah. some patients. Uh, we only had one person get injured. Yeah. It was not, <laughs> well, I was going to suggest we, that that would be. We were hoping that no one got catastrophically injured. No one did. Good. We had one person Good. hurt her, hurt his shoulder. Yeah. But otherwise, everybody did well. But was, and the best thing is you were right there to help out, or yeah. like you know. So it, yeah. I did have to examine his shulder, and I determined that it wasn't torn; it was just a subluxation. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things is today's a voting day, and so one yeah. of the things that you brought up, which I think was real cool, is you wanted you have more information sure. than I do about one of the amendments. So the the one of the amendments that's on the ballot is the Second Amendment, which basically will open up more of the marijuana. Uh, uh, the medical use of marijuana. Uh-huh. So originally, and and this is one of the things that I kind of had to deal with at my Florida conference. And so they told they told us that somewhere around July or August there was a, a, a kind of a private ballot that basically happened where medical marijuana was legalized in Florida. Medical prescriptions, mm-hmm. sorry, not prescriptions, medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I say prescriptions and not and, and recommendations, and I have to distinguish between that, is because you cannot prescribe or physicians cannot prescribe medical marijuana. It's still a scheduled one medication that is uh, essentially illegal, right? As like a, in the federal, correct? As right, a think, federal yeah. um, uh, regulations still prohibit us from prescribing medical medical marijuana. So they're recommending, or a physician can recommend it. So in that ballot around July and August, there was, uh, it was approved for medical purposes for three conditions only. 
It was for seizures, which mm-hmm. is basically has to be confirmed by two physicians, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, m- muscle spasms, which again has to be confirmed by two f- separate physicians. And the third is terminally ill, um, it could be cancer or, or disease, mm-hmm. and it has to be within a year. So that, as you could tell, that that very limited scope of where you can prescribe medical marijuana. And um, you have to have a relationship for your physician at least three months before you can even get a, prescri- a recommendation. A recommendation. Yes, correct. And the second part of it is that you, as a physician, have to get uh, a CME course of about a day in order. So you have to spend eight hours at a CME uh, course. It's something you have to that you smoke can marijuana do. at the course <laughs> just to see, <laughs> just to get through it. Yeah, uh, no, just, no, to see if, just to see if, so you can know if it's right thing. I don't think that uh, you know. Well, first of all, you know they're very strict on the federal level, even uh-huh. as a medical. So you know, patients who are trying to get it for for non-medical purposes you're going to find themselves uh have some legal action can be taken against them on a, not mm-hmm. only on a state level but a federal nobody's going to protect you if as a as a patient as a physician you too are uh if you're not very careful and follow those strict guidelines you are going to put yourself at risk for uh, liability as well as uh, even you know criminal uh, so is that action. what's on the ballot now that was already passed. Okay, no, that was passed. Correct. Okay. The ballot now uh-huh. wants to extend it for, for example, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. PTSD is one of the three or four new added um, Crohn's okay. disease, I think, um, uh, multiple sclerosis, a few other, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think mm-hmm. those are the ones that, and there's a few others, but... The once it opens it up to a condition like PTSD or a PTSD-like condition, uh-huh. then now a patient with a generalized anxiety disorder or a patient mm-hmm. who has other medical conditions can can who may fall under the same category may be able to have a little bit more leniency in terms of what they can use it for. The problem again is making sure that those guidelines are followed. You know, three months. You know, uh-huh. those conditions are documented by two separate physicians in order for you to qualify. So you don't want to. You don't want to go like a physician does not want to take into lightly when when they take this course because they're still going to have some liability. That's uh, and of course insurance is. You think they're going to cover this? No, probably not. No, and uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, well, resistance. Well, what do you think is the reason that mm-hmm. in some some states there is this very mm-hmm. almost you know you can you can get it for stress? You know, it's not even yes. ICD nine yes. code. That's so. Why is it that there's such a variation? Uh, is that just you think that's just the the, the will of the people, or do you think that's more industrial? Meaning that the the uh, the corporate environment is different because obviously. If you have medical marijuana, let's say you have medical marijuana in the state, not soon after medical marijuana is made legal, does marijuana become legal? That's just the kind of, you can look at it, you know, looking where the places are where marijuana Mm -hmm. is legal now. It has always proceeded with medical marijuana, Mm -hmm. and then that's kind of like the camel getting his nose in the tent, and then before you know it, the camel's taking your tent away. But, um, so... Do you think that the major reason that it's taken so long in Florida is because wh- why would it be why would it be behind California, for instance, or Colorado, or because of the leniency in California? What you're seeing is places opening up uh-huh. at, at a hotel, or for example, and people walking in for X amount of dollars. They're getting a recommendation for right. medical marijuana, and the condition is not 
necessarily falls into those guidelines. And so I think that's the fear that our this is where it's going with with Florida is that can we be opening ourselves up to this kind of just free for all on the medical marijuana? And I think that's where they want to have a little bit more control over it. I I fear the same thing. I fear that that those places that open up and they're just looking for financial right. and benefit will will harm the whole point of having that. Um, Do you think there is? I mean, have you followed any of it? Is there like I mean, we have patients mm-hmm. that have. We have a couple of patients have a house in Colorado, for instance, yes. where legal, legal <laughs> marijuana. And she was saying that it's hard sometimes they're trying to build a house out there. And the um, the contractors, subcontractors maybe won't come to work. And it's just because they're stoned. Or she'll say, <laughs> she'll go to, a, she'll go to a, a restaurant and order a salad. And then the waitress doesn't bring a salad. And she's mm-hmm. like, uh, I ordered a salad. She's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It's just kind of like this, oh, well, this attitude. I, I think that so the way the medical marijuana is going to be, how it's going to affect people, there's, there's two kinds. There's the CBDs mm-hmm. and the THC. So the CBDs are the cannabinoid receptors and the THC has the one that sort of gives you that high or uh-huh. that um, euphoria. And so a lot of patients are going to be prescribed the CBDs. Okay. The CBDs are a little safer in terms of uh, what what they can be used for. They can be used for seizure, for example. Uh, and so, when we're thinking about that first topic where we said there were three things that they're approved for currently, mm-hmm. CBDs are approved for the seizure mm-hmm. and for the muscle spasms. The THC, which is kind of the euphoria, can be used for people with the end stage cancer or, mm-hmm. or disease that is with less than the less than a year. So. What you're going to see happening is that the CBDs can be used more. Uh-huh. They're safe. They're not going to give you that euphoria, that, that high, but they're going to be safe for medical purposes. Right. If we see a lot more people getting it for conditions that are not truly medical, that are just you know anxiety or mm-hmm. for people who are just having – want to use it for the euphoria – prospects i think that's where you're going to see some harm i i think that anything that's addictive is going to be harmful though right we we could have alcohol for example or over the counter yeah Mm -hmm. yeah what do you think about that though if they did have it where marijuana is more widespread if you were to go as a physician would you would you say that marijuana is more uh let's say worse than alcohol is it better than alcohol I, think, I mean, is it no? I mean, is they both have their own drawbacks and potential think, benefits? You know, so it's hard. I don't know. What do you think? I think there's a controversy. Both sides of the aisle can probably tell you their side of it, right? That they had a young person who it was mm-hmm. their gateway, and yeah. and and unfortunately, they you know they have such a bad experience that mm-hmm. way. And I think those are the ones that you see on the uh, administrative levels or the higher levels going after having such a passion against marijuana right. and i and i'll give them that you know that that is not but yes alcohol i mean if you see the destruction alcohol sure. has had well it was, it was illegal there for a period of time you know right and if you think back about it now to us it seems absolutely ludicrous that alcohol was ever illegal but certainly it was illegal i mean that's there's, what the prohibition era was about there's a whole you know the, the policy in america when policy becomes criminal, mm-hmm. that's when you have to question it. Because what ends up happening is, and so we have a lot of, we have both candidates right now, Hillary and, and Trump, and both are going at it. And 
they're almost calling each other criminal in what activities there. But mm-hmm. what's happening is when you when it's just policy, right? Like you at one point had illegal, you know, uh, alcohol being illegal, and mm-hmm. you were being put in jail. And, and mm-hmm. what what if we turn smoking, for example, into being a yeah. criminal activity? Right. And people have been smoking, and been would we turn back the clock and say, hey? You know, everybody that was smoking, you know, is now considered a right. uh, criminal. Well, I, I think that that's where we're seeing yeah. the difference between illegality and morality. Exactly. It's not always the same. What's illegal right. is not immoral, and what's immoral is not always illegal. The ethical questions behind yeah. when policy or laws or statutes are in place, they don't represent necessarily an ethical problem, but rather a like if your homeowners association is all over you because you you left something out in the yard. Yeah, that's not criminal, right. but they make you they, feel like it's, it's illegal. <laughs> yeah, like you could get fined for it. Exactly, you lose your property. Exactly. You know, I think I think to me, I think we're going to look back now, and I think it's a my personal opinion is that this medical marijuana is going to pass this time. Probably looking like it, doesn't it? Because it only missed by two points last time. I think it has to be uh, 60%. So it only missed by like two points last time. I think it's going to pass this time. I think you're going to see Florida become the next legal marijuana state. And then becomes the the experiment, so to speak, I think, of what happens. Is, Is drinking going to go down? If people have the option, instead of drinking beer... Instead of going home and drinking a six pack or a shot or whatever, mm-hmm. if they want to have a smoke a joint instead, are you going to see the consumption of alcohol go down? Are you going to see are you going to see um, violent crime go down because people aren't getting drunk and and fighting each other? Mm-hmm. Are you going to see hard drugs go up because now people are getting high and they were never getting high before; they were just getting drunk. But now they're like, "Cool, I want to get high with coke." Instead mm-hmm. of marijuana, mm-hmm. and granted, it's a completely different high. Although I've never had coke, mm-hmm. but I just think that it's, it's be interesting to see. But I think it's I think the my personal opinion is I think it's going to pass this time, and then you're going to see next time is just going to be regular. It's going to be like we're going to be like Colorado. Yeah, I so because if you it, go to a concert like I I went to a blues concert, you know, there's cops, not a lot of cops, but there's cops around. People are walking around smoking joints. No one's fighting. Mm-hmm. No one no one got knifed. And this was in St. Pete, but people smoking. Same thing at the concerts; you smell it everywhere. So I think it's kind of—I don't know. It'd be interesting to see that. It's going to happen soon, I think. There's already research coming out of these states that have legalized it, showing the not only the benefits financially to the state, but also the decline in, in other oh, drugs. Oh, really? That's and, why I didn't know. I didn't know right, if that was true. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where you're seeing it on a practical level. But but it's actually showing mm-hmm. studies and research that's already showing from these states. In fact. The state in Florida right now has the grant with a the USF. I think it's not USF, but UF. Uh, speaking of Gators, right? Yes, go Gators. <laughs> uh, so I think that they have a, a contract with them or a grant that allows them to collect the data regarding what because we're what's going to happen is let's say a physician recommends a uh-huh. product, they enter that patient's name into the database, and there is a sort of like a information that the patient will be providing like for example how it's benefiting them or what are the conditions that it's being treated for and then they're collecting this data and sort of providing us with a sort of are we getting the information what is the information or what are the benefits because before we weren't able to study marijuana we weren't able right. to have a 
a, a study that showed it because we were it was a scheduled one. Right. It was illegal. It was very difficult to run any research on it. So now we have an opportunity to tell us for real mm-hmm. how it's really affecting us and to pr- publish data regarding it. Yeah, that's interesting because I just watched a documentary. One of our patients had us uh, recommend I watch a documentary on stem cells. And they were in one of the stem cells that they use in the documentaries, fetal stem cells. Mm-hmm. And they were saying about how there's not a lot of research into it because it's fetal stem cells as opposed to adult stem cells. You heard about the placenta one too? Placental, yeah. and then there's embryonic. So I don't know if that's the same as fetal. But anyway, there's a lot of things, like you said, those. Well, mm-hmm. now with marijuana, they'll be able to actually study it. I think that that's the kind of stuff that we should be allowing for and, and probably should have been done years ago. I bet you the students at UF will probably be in favor of allowing it to be studied. They're on campus, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they'll, they all, we are all under these yeah. high regulations and compliance that it's going to be very difficult to yeah. uh, get around it unless we open it up even further. So if it stands as it is right now without the Amendment 2 passing, uh, you're going to see only a few people being able to get it prescribed, uh, recommended. I'm sorry, yeah. uh, legally, but but it's going to open it up a lot more once that. I think it's going to pass, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see yeah. the results. Today's later. the day, right? Election day today. So, yeah. 2016. This is this is probably I voted the this most morning, divided, mm-hmm. and it took me like five minutes. It was no problem at all. Mm-hmm. I never wait though when I go vote. I always go on voting yeah. day, and I hardly ever have to wait. I know there's some people all across the country have had to wait. Yeah, yeah, I I did mine on in mail. You know, I voted I the first time in 1996. So I voted in every presidential election since then. So it's like 20 years now. It's my 20 year anniversary. Wow. So that's kind of cool. I remember I first voted. I was uh, 18 years old. Hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, so tell me your yes. podcast. How do we listen to your podcast? And tell us what your podcast is about. So I call it um, optimizing your medical health or networking for your optimal health and. The reason why I use the word optimal health is because people can treat their, I could treat their blood pressure, their diabetes, their cholesterol, but one of the things that, but I'm not optimizing them. I'm not getting them to their target goal or to get them at their most efficient mm-hmm. body weight um, and endurance and lifestyle. And so I think when you're not optimizing, you're, you're going actually backwards. You're not getting right. the, uh, the, productive efficient quality of life that you need to be having and right so when i what i created the podcast was well first of all i went to your podcasting seminar yep. right so again giving you props once i went to your seminar i said there's something here that i can give to the patients and an extension of my self it's it's a it's sort of like me because i've listened to your podcast and there's a personal it's like touch dr youssef in your phone exactly <laughs> You're driving. Right. I get to control all facets of their life. Yes. You know? <laughs> when their husband's talking and they're just like, shh. Yeah, you listen to me in the car, at work, at yeah. home. The husband's <laughs> off in the background and she's like, uh-huh, sure, whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like, you're working out? Oh, Here yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just listen to, to Dr. Yusuf. Yeah. <laughs> I like, you got like a very soothing voice. Thank you. Thanks. I like it, though, because I like your podcast. I listen to it. And I like the how you, you were telling me about it. You have a reason for doing it. But you start your podcast off. It's like, hey, this is Dr. Jonathan Youssef, Networking for Your Optimal mm-hmm. Health. We're going to talk about this. And then you go into it. And then, like, 
just like kind of subtly in there. Hi, this is Dr. Jonathan Youssef. We, we're talking about this. You kind of review it. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not a long podcast, it is nice because people are probably watching this. They're like, good Lord, when are they going to stop? <laughs> just keep going and going and going. We're going to have to edit. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is live. They're already like, yeah. they're already done it like five minutes into it. But, right. uh, but, but uh, you know, but, but the one I like about my insomnia one because uh, I like to use that one. Oh, it's I like such a smoothing, yeah. uh, soothing voice. But at the end of the podcast, I, I, I tell you, if you're not, you know, seeing any benefits in your yeah. insomnia, you just have to listen to the podcast twice and then yeah. you'll fall asleep. So. You know, the, the one I really like, you talk about optimizing your health, yes. is the testosterone one or the hormone one because that's one of the things that I'm actually, no, we're doing, I already did a talk on that, but we're doing a talk coming up at Palms Pharmacy on healthy weight loss. But we did one on optimizing your hormonal health, I think it was called. Balanced Hormones, Balanced Life it was called. Right. But anyway, people will come to me and their their testosterone level is not, on the scale, on the lab test, is not low. It's 250 to 1,000 or 1,100 is considered um, normal, quote-unquote. Well, they come in here and they're like 300. They're like, oh, I feel like this, this, and this. I'm like looking down all their lists. I'm like, okay, you need testosterone. So I optimize their mm-hmm. testosterone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you use the term low-active, do you mean low-active It's in the normal range or are you using that as a synonym for off-the-range? Well, you know, I think I'd probably start by saying that not everybody's hormone levels are the same for their body type. So, for example, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you're going to have a higher testosterone level. Right. For someone like myself, I looked back, and I luckily had one when I was in my late 20s, okay. to show a low testosterone. So mm-hmm. when I checked it again, even though it was low, it was around like 200, 275, I looked back and I said, that's where I've been all my life. So and for you, that's your normal. Exactly. Exactly. But for another person, they may have been at 500 or mm-hmm. 800 and now they drop down. So they have a significant change. So them. do you do a, like a, not a screening one because it's not screening, but do mm-hmm. you do a, a usual testosterone as part of the normal physical for anybody, for most people? I, pro- I, I do for uh-huh. mine, my patients, oh, because cool. I do think that it's important. I mean, if you're I young and, and not like have any uh, symptoms, I may not. But if you are at that age where I, I, I should probably kind of get your baseline, I like would like in, to do like that. Like in your 30s then, maybe. I think you should. Yeah. I, I personally do. It's, Again, when you're talking about concierge medicine, it's not that much of a cost, no, you know, no. and uh, I think it's an added tool that you can use, and even that, not necessarily now, but later. What's your thought on hormones and uh, f- females and taking hormones in general, but also like testosterone? Yes. So women have testosterone, mm-hmm. just like they have with estrogen, but their estrogen is much greater than their testosterone, and they're a fraction of what a male testosterone would have. But when their testosterone is too high, there's actually a condition called PCOS, which mm-hmm. is the polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that means that they have a lot of testosterone creating facial hair, acne, and, and some mm-hmm. mood changes. What I want problems too, right? Yeah, yeah. So when, when you have patients with either low testosterone for, for women or high testosterone, what you really want, and as you, as you worded so eloquently, is balance. Mm-hmm. Balance those two with their estrogens, progesterones. So if they have a high testosterone, either you could lower their testosterone to match their estrogens mm-hmm. or get their estrogen up to match their testosterone. Oh, okay. And one of the things that what, you know, females will, symptoms, I like to go with symptoms. So if someone feels hot flashes, mood swings, and night sweats, you're thinking about estrogen. 
-hmm. You're thinking estrogen would be a great addition to their symptom for their symptoms. Okay. Because those are the menopausal or premenopausal symptoms or postmenopausal. When you're thinking about energy, mood, strength, that's muscle testosterone. Tone, correct. That's right. testosterone. Progesterone helps with like headaches and sleep, skin and hair changes. So again, when you and, and then there's thyroid and adrenals and all these sure. others. And what you want to do is just look at those and balance them together. Do you ever have a problem when you're given some a man testosterone where they get to a level and they just want more? Like. You're like, look, you're at 800 now. You're good. And they're like, I want to get to 1100. Yeah. So what do you tell them? Well, I, I, first of all, I tell them that there is a limit to where I go with the testosterone. There's uh -huh. only, you have certain conditions in your body, like your liver, your uh -huh. hemoglobin, for example, which is the thickening, thickness sure. of your blood can go up and it could cause multiple medical problems. So for me, if somebody asks me to go beyond, and I usually don't recommend more than one cc a week uh -huh. uh, of the testosterone if they're doing an injection or if they're getting uh, the cream, I recommend only, um, limiting it because any more than that is really just going to create more side effects for them. Yeah, you're not going to have a benefit, and it's just going to add yeah. side effects. And that's not optimal, right? right. If you're going above... Right. That, you're not getting the option. You're not being You're efficient. just getting more. Exactly. Look at other things. If they're still having symptoms, mm -hmm. ask them, well, what else is going on? Right. Are you are you sleeping well? Are you eating right? Are you Because well, I have obese patients that take testosterone and they don't get muscular. Right. They, their levels are skyrocketing, but all they're doing is just getting worse medically. Well, what is some things if let's say you get somebody that's got low testosterone or they or whatever, they're not feeling good, but they don't want to do testosterone. They want to try to raise it naturally. Uh, are these like DHEA? Is that a good thing to use, or, so or, or what can you do? Be exercise. I know right. you can do exercise. Like building those big muscle groups, like your your thighs, your chest, your back. Those are the ones that are going to naturally bring it up. Your diet, right? Reducing your your uh, fat content because then you get to produce more testosterone, and then the estrogen, the aromatization of it. So you reduce your fat. Reduce your fat. Do you eat more meat, or do you just? You can. Reduce your fat. You can. I think that you have to eat more of the, the healthy fats, you know, as uh -huh. well as healthy um, fish and you know, like fish, that. tuna, fi turkey, uh, lean meats, and, and even some good fats, right? Nuts. and Because cholesterol actually is the building block for your Hormones. testosterone. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you want to definitely uh, try the natural way. If you've, you know, burnt out the natural, you can actually, there's two medications that can be used before you do testosterone. If you want to be fertile, for example, you're in the fertility stage of your life, you may want to consider HCG, the human gonadotropin hormone. This, mm -hmm. this is an optional. I'm not trying, you know, I'm not, you know, recommending everything. I'm just saying that these are some options that people have. But the HCG can increase your abilities, your testes, to produce uh -huh. more testosterone naturally. By itself. By itself. Because, you know, you, it's not extra testosterone mm -hmm. that you would exogenously give or give them um, through their muscular. So, mm -hmm. so how would you choose to do that versus doing testosterone? If they're fertile, if they don't have that low of a testosterone, if their symptoms are early. Okay. So then you could try HCG. And then there's Clomid. Clomid is a uh, estrogen antagonist. I, well, it, it was originally used for uh, no, it's, just, it's for uh, reproductive. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yep, getting the the fertility going. So what it does is it'll stimulate again. It's just similar to it's, in, it's similar to the HCG, but uh -huh. it's a uh, similar fashion. It's a uh -huh. in pill form. 
Again, not as strong as testosterone. So HCG is pills or injections? HCG injections. Okay. HCG is actually a very small and needle injection. How long would you do that for? Would you do it for a month and then check levels? If and- you are young and you are early on in uh-huh. your, your phase, you might want to cycle, right? People okay. will cycle so that their production of natural testosterone continues so that they don't have a shutting off of the testosterone so they can cycle through. Uh-huh. Again, you can also cycle with testosterone. You sure. can take it for a month and stop. And I think that there's actually been some studies, but none of them have been conclusive. And, and these are a lot of our information, by the way, comes from experiences and not necessarily all done on research. Right. Uh, there's, there's no pharmaceutical industry right this moment researching these. Uh, they're not expensive medication. And mm-hmm. Uh, they've been around for so many so many years that we don't know for sure. But the cycling, for example, is something that we in the industry or the this is sort of the the functional medicine industry has mm-hmm. has has known about and has used to sort of offset the possible side effects of using t- testosterone. Yeah, so much to I know <laughs> so much to, but that's why you say go to Optimal Health website. How do you yes. get How do you get to your podcast? So there's I'm on iTunes. There's okay. uh, you can. So what do they search for on Jonathan iTunes? Jonathan Youssef, J O N A T H A N Youssef Y O U S E F. So basically, you just search for um, Jonathan Youssef on iTunes. You can look me up. First of all, Lifetime Family Urgent Care has a connection to it. So if you okay. if you go to my website, you'll see my podcast and YouTube. Okay, a little bit of the YouTube, um, as uh, Dr. Tommy told us about some some ways to sort of um, use the podcast to get onto YouTube as well. Okay. I use that technology to do that. Um, so you can get me on YouTube as well by Jonathan Yusuf. Subscribe, review it. Okay. Um, I'm always up for input because one of the things that, uh, uh, again, I learned from Dr. Tommy. I know I'm giving you all his props. You get right. <laughs> if you knew what he did on the back he was end. Paid. Of, right? I know, like I paid him five hundred dollars. He's paid me nothing, by the way. In <laughs> fact, I'm getting from him, so I feel kind of bad that you got you got all these great ideas at your practice. And I, and I, I want to talk about you a little bit because that's that's kind of like. Uh, my my excitement to do this like the podcast and so on how did you get into doing podcasting robin hatfield robin wow. hatfield jsp tampa wow so she is my um marketing partner so she told me that we started working together about a year ago and so she says uh tommy you need a podcast and i'm like okay and i thought podcast i don't know what podcast so i never listened to podcasts she kept telling me tell me tell me tell me you gotta do a podcast so i said okay fine i'll do a podcast and I said, well, I'm going to do a podcast, and I never listened to one. I just did one. I, mm-hmm. I, she told me about Audacity. I did mm-hmm. some research. I said, well, I'm going to do it like a radio show. Mm-hmm. I listen to talk radio. I know how talk radio format is. You have bumper music. You have the intro. You take a break. You have a commercial. You have more bumper music. You have intro. And that's how I did my podcast. And I just started calling people. I, I interviewed anybody at first. Mm-hmm. Anybody would even want to sit down and talk, I interview them. And then I started being a little bit more selective. started picking topics that I felt like people wanted to listen to. So I, I, I thought, well, I'm interested in this. Hopefully other people are. And then I started to kind of selecting out what I thought people would be interested in. And then I started emailing people. Like uh, I just email anybody. And I don't I don't like draw a limit. Like I'm not going to email that person because they won't respond. Because if they don't, it's like asking a girl out at the bar. It's just like, do you want to go out? No. Okay, cool. I'll go to the next <laughs> one. You get 10 of them and one of them will say yes. So the same mm-hmm. thing is I emailed people that I wanted to come on. Some of them said yes. Some of them didn't respond. But you know, I got some pretty big names. Dr. Williams, Walter Williams, is a nationally syndicated columnist, uh, and he is a very well-known economist. He's written mm-hmm. many books, 
you know, so I got him on. And he's my my favorite podcast of all time from what I've done. So I just kind of went with it. And now that I started doing this thing, I actually saw this. There's a um, uh, there's a, a YouTube channel called uh, Video Marketing Madness. And the guy commented on my Echelon Health YouTube. He's like, hey, you know what we do is we do a podcast by pulling the audio off of our video. And just check this out. So I went onto their website, and then I saw they said, "Well, use this OBS software, which I'm using now." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Damn, that's easy!" So then I started doing it, and then I was like, "Well, I got to show everybody else." That's why I was like, "I, I think you should yeah. do your own." That's what I. I mean, again, I mean, another this is great a idea. Twenty dollar microphone. Yeah. I mean, sorry, twenty dollar uh, camera. I mean, you can get a better camera, but it's mm-hmm. a twenty dollar camera. It costs twenty one dollars, and these microphones cost what they cost. I mean, all in, I'm less than five hundred bucks. I actually like a lot of your original speakers and, and, and some of their information because it was very practical. Yeah. I mean, you had people on that were uh, talking about best insurances to get, mm-hmm. why you should have them, HR, you know, for yeah. example, for your office. There was uh, information about, you know, the patient-doctor relationship and mm-hmm. concierge medicine and you had patients on and people that yeah. I I've not only got to learn a lot about you, but also... They were practical. Like, yeah. for example, the HR lady gave us some information that mm-hmm. was just very practical, yeah. which is, do you know those signs in your break room? You don't have to buy them. You don't have to buy Paula them. Paula Matthews, hr101.com. Yep. Exactly. And I think that's kind of practical information. And, and what I'm trying to do is get those actionable items. Like, that. Yeah. Those, are, those are the ones that I find very helpful because I go and I use those mm-hmm. for my own practice. Well, like the thing you just told me about HCG. See, that's new to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw it because I talked to you. But if you had... If it's on your podcast, and I do remember you saying HCG, I just didn't mm-hmm. remember the particular about it. But that's what's cool for me is because, like, yeah. you know, you go type in health podcast. I mean, my God, there'll be hundreds of them. So it's cool to be able to say, look, I know this guy, this is Dr. Youssef. Yeah. These are his podcasts. And I think it's also fun to build networks because, like you said, networking for your health. And that's, you know, that's why that's yeah. I'm thinking is if I network like with Dr. Tommy, if I network with some of the specialists in the community, if I network with, you know, some of the LinkedIn's mental LinkedIn's really health, good. LinkedIn. I've mm-hmm. met a lot of people that are on my show that I only know through email and stuff, but I met them through LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I think that that's where you get the business aspect, the professional mm-hmm. uh, sort of connection. It's almost like a professional Facebook type. Yeah. And then the other thing you can do with the podcast is if you have your own podcast is you tell people, hey, come on my show, and then they get to share their company, so they want to come on. Correct. And so yeah. you want them on, but you say, hey, look, you can come on, you promote yourself. They're like, okay. So. Yeah, I think it's it's a, an excellent uh, way to not only promote yourself, but also to share some information. Mm-hmm. I bet you your listeners are both your patients as well. And mm-hmm. they not only get a little bit more information about you and get to feel comfortable with, with your personality and see if it's a good match for them, right. but also maybe pick up on some medical things that you recommend. Yeah. So when we talk about um, you know sports, for example, one of the things that I noticed is, well, not only you have the Fit Club, but you also... Had some lot of experience with sports treatment, you know, injuries, and mm-hmm. um, and then you know, yeah, very I'd active probably, yourself. So. I probably need to get to doing more stuff like um, medical. It's just I feel like I don't know. Sometimes when I talk about it, I feel like uh, maybe I'm boring. So I, <laughs> I don't know. But people get to you know, like the sports side. I 
I have some sports ex- if, uh, information, but you are, yeah. you know, you know about these injuries, the sports related injuries a little bit more. You have some yeah. bracing and, you know, uh, I thought you did some physical too, some physical therapy stuff or something similar. Yeah, to- we do some. I, I mean, I did enough physical therapy during my sports medicine training that I know enough to teach people. Correct. So, yeah, we have our little fitness suite in here. I'll show them how to do some rotator cuff exercises, this, that, and the other. And that's that's what. You mean save on so much of their time because yeah. they would normally have to research that or maybe go and see a specialist or mm-hmm. get a referral from their insurance company. But here you can just give them those exercises and then, you know. And that's the reason I did it is because I was telling people, all right, go to the gym and find a trainer. Where's the trainer? Oh, I don't know. Just grab one. Right. So I said, well, hell, I'm going to have a trainer then. Yeah, you do. You have a trainer and yeah. then. I noticed that you also do the the vitamin injections, which which are amazing. You know the B twelves, but you know I don't know if Been doing those for about how many two and a half years now. How many practices would can can say that they do all of this for their patients without kind of um, the insurance company doesn't pay for any of that really? Yeah. But uh, that's the only know. reason we do do it is because we can choose whatever we want to do. Yeah, and so, so that's just the niche that I think people are finding. I think I think you. Uh, you know, I think your type of practice and our practice, we have very similar uh, ideals in that we want to make things as easy for our patients to get mm-hmm. optimally better. And that's why I'm glad you did your podcast. And I'm very, I'm very thankful that you give me all those props. And uh, I can't wait to see if you do a video. I think it'll be good. I would love to. And, and maybe, you know, I'll, this will be my motivation to yeah. do that. Well, thanks, Dr. Youssef, for coming in. Thank you, Dr. Tommy. And then if you want to hear more of the Ask Dr. Tommy show, go to AskDrTommy.com. If you want to hear uh, more of the Ask Dr. Tommy show, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can also uh, subscribe on YouTube to the Dr. Tommy show. We're going to have a cooking show coming up. Just confirm with my brother, Fred, that we're going to be cooking on the 1120. And so we will be uh, Ready broadcasting for Thanksgiving. that. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do a Filipino dish. So, yeah, right before Thanksgiving. and I've got, docu- got the documentary coming up with Danny Jones. And uh, hopefully we'll have Dr. Youssef back because you're such a yeah. intelligent well, really, and well-rounded guest. We definitely enjoyed, you know, and thanks for mentoring me through my podcast and uh, giving me some more information about concierge medicine. Well, thanks for being in and thank you for joining us today. And if you have any more uh, questions or suggestions, contact us through the website. Until next time, bye-bye.